Hi, welcome to another episode of Great Conversations with me, Nicola O'Donoghue. Have you ever wondered how you can be a better leader, particularly in today's volatile, uncertain and rapidly changing world? What does it take to be successful? My guest this week is Michelle Gear, the CEO of AdBot. Michelle shares her journey and advice on how she navigated this concept of leadership in order to find success. For context, Michelle spent decades working in advertising before becoming an entrepreneur. She has successfully completed several rounds of investor funding for her South African startup, which provides online advertising for SMEs. In this conversation, she's open and transparent about committing to doing the personal development work required to shift her mindset and open up possibilities in her life. Michelle Gia, welcome to Great Conversations. How are you? Good. Awesome. Hi, Nicola. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. Michelle, let's kick off like I do with all the guests. Will you tell us who you are? All right. So I'm Michelle. I'm an African female tech entrepreneur, and I'm the founder of AdBot, uh, which is a small startup in Africa. And essentially what AdBot does is we use AI-powered technology to automate Google advertising for small businesses and yeah, machine learning and things to make it really easy for small businesses to advertise. Stunning. And so tell me, how did you end up here? How did little Michelle, where did you grow up? Tell us like little Michelle who grew up where, what's your journey been like? Have you ended up as the CEO of this amazing startup, AdBot? Yeah. So, wow. How far do I go back? So I come from a small town in South Africa. It's a really kind of like a mining town called Springs. So it's not really something that you put on your CV, but I actually studied fine art and believed when I was growing up that I was going to be an artist. That was really interesting. Dreams were shattered when I entered matric and really wanted to pursue a career in art and discovered there's not really money in that space and that I would probably be a struggling artist. I then looked for other options. So I started studying fine art and from fine arts moved into graphic design, which was kind of like the thing at the time. And slowly through kind of meeting different people on that journey, discovered advertising, which was really an interesting field for me. And I've been in advertising for most of my career, probably 15 years of my career. Never thought I would be an entrepreneur. Never thought it was something that that I would do. I think something that really resonates with me now when in my 40s that I probably should have known back then is... You know, the book, it's like super famous, Poor Dad, Rich Dad, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. What's that book? I've never heard of this book. Come, are you about to blow my mind? No, it's unbelievable. So for the first time in a very long time, I remember reading it, but just browsing through it when I was young and I was like, what does this guy know about? But it's essentially this guy that grows up, his dad wasn't wealthy and he documents the lesson of his dad, like that teaches him. And his friend's dad was really wealthy. And he documents the advice that his friend's dad gives them. And he compares the two. And then eventually works out why perhaps, well, he states in his book, why if you're coming from a poor environment, why you will be poor as well? Like, why are you not changing or increasing 
and becoming or changing your habits to become like a more wealthy individual. Does he look at the systemic barriers around that though? Or is this just purely from a mindset point of view? So what growing up in that environment does in terms of where it level sets your goals and your dreams and your mindset versus when you have wealth and privilege or does he look at it from a cis? Cause we know obviously you can dream rich if you're poor, but then you've, you know, depending on where you grow up and what you look like and the color of your skin and gender, you know, the s- systems around you might conspire to keep you poor. Yeah. So actually I think he doesn't go so much into that part. Mm. He looks at like the very practical kind of ways of how parents give advice. So let me explain it to you. So his dad tells him as they grow, like as he's growing up, you have to go study, I can't remember what it is, but let's hypothetically see, say accounting and you have to find a firm and you need to work for a firm and you need to work for that firm for 25 years. And then you're going to be well off. That's what success looks like for the poor dad. The rich dad, he says like, look, you can study whatever you want to. It's not really about where the firm, where you're going to work. It's about like how you use your money to make more money. So, and then he explains to these little kids who are smaller that you need to invest in things that is going to make you money. So for example, invest in property that you can get rent from and teaches them like practical ways of using the money that you have to make more money. So mm-hmm. very practical, more than, and I think systemic, the s- systemic issues that you were talking about is obviously from like that practical advice that's been passed down and the behaviors and those habits that you're stuck in. Mm. And I think what we don't realize, and maybe this is the theme of the podcast, maybe not, <laughs> I don't know, but, but we are so so unaware most of the time about how many things hold us back. Yeah. Right. So, so you grow up and your dad and your mom, like teach you as much as they can, but they, you don't realize that those are just kind of like barriers. Those are boundaries that they've created to, in their minds, create a safe space for you. But what if you went beyond those boundaries? What if you didn't go and work like your dad at a bank for 25 years? What would that look like? And how is that kind of like Different. That's the one of the benefits of the internet, isn't it? Because you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have access to that. So all I saw in my environment were, you know, was my parents and the neighbors and people around me. So what I saw is what I emulated, you know, so that we didn't have CEOs running big banks, you know, there wasn't nobody like that, that you could see and then, you know, get inspired by. And because that wasn't the, we were not exposed to that. So Mm. like, I see what you're saying. And that is sort of the beauty of the internet, isn't it? And there's something I read the other day as well, which was that our parents ceiling is our floor if we want it to be, which I thought was like really powerful, really powerful. Just when you think about it like that. Yeah, that's such a good saying. Mm. Like I love it. Mm. I absolutely love it. And it's so true. So when did you come across this book and like what impact did that have on your journey and your mindset? Is this something that you came across when you were younger? And so then coming out of spring and with 
Springs, is it where you grow up? Springs, yeah. And like, with don't mention it sorry. too often. Okay, <laughs> coming out of the small town, but like, <laughs> I am really curious though because like what you're saying, mm. you know, when if you grew up in such a small town, like what was your driver? What made you want to get out and leave? Who were mm. you emulating and chasing and inspired by? So my mum was a phenomenal person. She didn't realise it at the time, but she was most definitely a feminist. And she was in HR and she would introduce books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. She would introduce books like The Change Monster, Who Moved My Cheese, all mm. of those. And we, I would read it, right? But at a young age, you're not really kind of like open to thinking that your mom is right. <laughs> and looking back, I just am so sad that was my perception because... So I think my personality and how I work is like perfectly suited for entrepreneurship. And yet my entire career was inside an agency working for someone, trying to change things inside the agency. And because that, because of my kind of like insistence and persistence and insistence on changing things, you know, it, it sometimes is overwhelming for an organization that just wants to get the job done. Mm. Like Michelle, we're not going to change things right now. So, so I think what was really interesting about my journey is that I usually say that I'm a late bloomer at entrepreneurship and maybe it should have happened a little bit earlier if I just listened to my mom. I also believe that everything happens when it's meant to though. Like there has to be a part of that. You know, you talk about that book would you have been ready for it? There's something that I think years that I think age and wisdom gives us something special, actually. It's a different type of entrepreneur, mm. I think, when you get to it later in life, because you have, you've got life experience and I think you can't take away from that, actually. Absolutely. So for me, life experience is like discovering yourself as a young person. You just, like you said, you mimic what is around you. You mimic your friends, you mimic what your parents have done, you mimic in the quest to try and find yourself, mm. right? But you don't really know. And I think you can only really start a journey like entrepreneurship when you really have like started exploring and asking some really interesting questions, sometimes dark questions, sometimes like, wow, all of this inside of me, never thought it was there. Mm. And, it, and experiencing things about yourself that, that you haven't really. And I, I think you can't, like you said, things happen when they need to happen. And I think they happen when, uh, when you know yourself. When you know a lot more about yourself than just mimicking what is around you. Mm. And I think things like those books back in the day would have influenced me, but only now that I'm really comfortable with who I am and, you know, obviously still working on some stuff, and, but being a lot more aware of who this person is and what my strengths and weaknesses are. Like now those books are really influencing me. Mm. And what are the qualities that you've got that you think make you the phenomenal entrepreneur that you are? I think right at the top, number one is persistence. I think uh, like when I started out, I didn't really think I have, I had much more than that. But the specific project that we're working on, we've been working on for 18 months. And we've had multiple other organizations and startups trying to get into that space. And after three months, they just gave up. So I think persistence is absolutely number one. And then, sorry, just before you move on, 
what is it that drives that persistence? So first of all, where did it actually, two questions, where do you think it comes from when you look back over your life and your story and your journey? And then what drives it now? Sometimes I think it's like pure ego and wanting to be right. Like I told you so, you know, I think sometimes it's born from that. But I think just like an example from my mom. So my mom was a single parent. She had a Down syndrome child. So my sister is Down syndrome. She, She basically adopted a child from my dad's first marriage. So she had a lot on her plate and she was kind of like one of the first women in management at the time. And I think, you know, at that time, it couldn't have been hard to have her voice heard. Mm. And it couldn't have been easy to have a child and find a space for that child. So she insisted that my sister go to a normal school. That was before they had like special schools that they create a space for. Her. So I think, you know, just insisting, and maybe that influenced it, just constantly insisting that, you know, we can make a way, we can make the world better. I suppose. Yeah, you're talking about a value there as well, aren't you? Like, as you say, not only the influence mm-hmm. of your mum, but that value of justice, is it? Is that what it is? Equality? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Equality. So, like, you have to do self work all the time. And this word equality has been coming up for me quite a bit. And I don't know if it's like a core value. Sometimes people say, have this kind of like core value that drives things that you do. And maybe that's my core kind of like values, just making sure that everyone's treated equally Mm. or, you know, at some point we get to an equal space. Maybe it's that. Yeah. So yeah, persistence, maybe driven by quality, Mm -hmm. maybe driven by monkey see, monkey do from mum. Yeah. I don't know. Second thing I think is like something that drives me is empathy and empathy in like a, a lot of different ways. Maybe it's also influenced by this equality. Like one thing that when I, so, so I worked for agency for quite a long time. I started my own agency business and it was kind of a business that lived underneath a normal agency business. But at that point, it was really complicated and difficult to figure out like, how do you get more clients? And I think, and also like, how are you on this journey and how alone you feel and like all those things created a lot of empathy for other small businesses. And I think, you know, the business that I'm in right now and the problems we're solving right now, like that empathy for these people who are trying to make a difference or just trying to make a living is big and keep on pushing for those guys, but also for like team members, like being able to take people who never had a chance or who couldn't afford like the big advertising internships where you have to work for a year without getting paid. I think empathy has a big, a big role to play. And, and also, do you know what I really experienced is that for the first time, empathy is allowed to be present in leadership and all sorts, running my own business. It was never allowed before because I was working for other businesses and So what I find really exciting is that empathy can be part of like a leadership quality. Mm. That is what's really brilliant about time and where we are now is this evolving definition of leadership. And to your point, qualities such as empathy are becoming more important. I don't know. It feels like maybe, and it's slow. It's not, you know, (laughs) but this sort of, this, Swift, this switch more to seeing people 
as humans and not numbers. Cause like what you're mm. talking about with empathy for me, I just heard connection, like actually taking the time to see people as people and to get curious about them and their stories and then to want to connect to them in that way, both the people that are part of who your organization and the people who are working with and for you, but also your customers as well. Like I just, from, I'm just hearing there's the people are just front and center of what you're building. Yeah, absolutely. I read this book and this is where it was amazing to, and this is where I came to the conclusion, like, hold on a minute, like empathy can be part of like the leadership skills. It doesn't have to be all this strict stuff. So it's called Lunch with Lucy mm-hmm. and it's unbelievable. And it's this woman who sets up a business in Texas and it's really kind of like just a simple business. I think the business was about bills or something remember that part the amazing part about the book and the parts that i do remember was so her name isn't lucy her name is something else but she sets up this ritual where she has lunch with various employees on wednesday and she she named her name becomes lucy for that session because then she's not the ceo and she's actually connecting with the people so she learns about like any hardships mm. that they have. So it all becomes about that person she's having lunch with. Are they having any hardships at home or at work or wherever that's work-related? Like it's really interesting how she takes that information, brings it back to the leadership team and then tries to resolve it as quick as possible. So it becomes like a priority thing. Mm. And I think that, you know, that was an amazing book. So for whoever wants to know about like empathy and how empathy can actually grow an entire business that's a really good a great read what i'm really interested in and you sort of alluded to it and maybe this is wrong but like the mindset that you speak to now i'm gonna go out there and say that possibly wasn't the mindset that you had when you were working in advertising particularly the type of sort of (laughs) male ego-driven space that advertising is so like how have you how has your mindset evolved like how are you sort of what has got you? Well, actually, yeah, maybe just sort of what was your mindset when you mm. started off in advertising that space? And then how have you actually, what are some of the practical things you've done to get to this space where you are now? That is such a good question. And I think definitely something to talk about. So advertising is quite a harsh environment, like you said, like very male dominated. But over and above that, you have clients who are demanding a lot more for less. And instead of looking for like solutions around it, what usually would happen is that it would come down to paying less for more hours being spent on their project. And what that means for the general agency is that more people will just have to work more, longer hours, not get paid and be really like exhausted and burnout being like a super real thing in in agency world. And my mindset at the time, I think, was kind of like looking at humans as resources Mm -hmm. that I could bill out per hour to my client and get very angry when the resource isn't performing to the max. But I've made that resource work until 12 o'clock every single night for a week and upset that something is late on the Monday morning. And thinking about it now, I can't believe that was my mindset. This is a human being that Mm -hmm. can't work like that. It's not a it's not a robot. It's not a, and also to try and monetize that person's time also for me felt a little bit abusive, right? So my mindset specifically around people has changed quite a bit in the sense that I've stopped seeing them as like 
a way to make money, mm. but rather like as something that adds value to your business. You're talking about this sort of this shift and it seems like it was a really sort of night and day shift of, mm. you know, seeing the resource and how much can I eat out of this resource versus then seeing the human. It's quite a big shift. And I'm going to assume that it wasn't just a savvy, I can make more money if I see them as a human and not as a resource. (laughs) I'm not going to put that on you given your values and what you've spoken about. (laughs) But I am really curious because what this is one of the things that fascinates me is change and how, Mm. how it is so difficult to change. And so I'd like to know, was there any one thing that happened that mm. sparked this change or like, yeah, what was your journey to that? And like, um, I guess sort of why and how? Because that's a big shift. It's a huge yeah. shift and you're absolutely right. It doesn't happen like overnight. And so my journey in discovering that has taken a bit of time. So after leaving the advertising industry, I took a sabbatical. So some time out to think about what I want to do and where I want to go. But over that time, I also did a course with this lovely, what do you call them? Angel. Angel. <laughs> She's talking about me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I went to this course where somebody could guide me through kind of like the change and not just taking some time out and sitting back and thinking for yourself because you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to force myself into a space where, I, where I'm challenged, where somebody can dig a little bit deeper in my brain and find things that I could see what's really important for me. And through that sabbatical and going through that course, I actually realized some stuff about myself. And one of the things, like there was like very much a breakthrough point in that course where I think the exercise, if I remember it correctly, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong, but the core, the, this point where it was a visualization exercise and you had to see yourself as a younger human. You had to almost kind of move back as if you were a drone, looking back onto your own self, seeing yourself with everything it is. So you almost write your story, you put it into this like tiny human, you move out and then you see you, yourself as somebody else essentially. And all of a sudden I could see myself not as a resource, like as somebody that I could actually show empathy to. And that was such a big change in my life. Like it was absolutely enormous. And I think it's because I probably in the past saw myself as a resource I didn't value my own time. I didn't really respect that I was working so much and things around me was neglected. And I think once I realized that I am also a human, that I also Mm. have stuff. And when I recognized that, it changed so many things. Remember, like a couple of days afterwards, I was like, Nicola, this feels like a different world. I don't Mm. know what to do. Like, I don't know how to move around in this new world. But what was amazing is that new world gave me respect for other people. Wow. I had no idea that the coaching that we did and that was the moment. So thank you. Like, wow. <laughs> I, just, it was, I need to take a moment. It, it, it's just the power <laughs> of coaching and what it can give. And wow. So thank you. And I think what for me, and this has actually been a huge part of my personal journey as well. So it's really 
awesome to hear it's also been yours is that self-love for my and acceptance like once mm. I connected with myself and could show myself the love and the compassion and the worth that I deserved it fundamentally mentally transformed every relationship in my life because like I say this and it you know, you have these platitudes. It sounds like a hallmark card, doesn't it? But I really, I'm starting to think this is true. Like the relationships that you have in your life, that you're only capable of loving somebody as much as you are yourself. You're only capable of trusting somebody as much as you are yourself. And whether that's in business, in your family, in your personal life, like every relationship in your life, it's true. And what you're talking to like businesses are built on trust and so if you don't trust yourself if you don't have compassion for yourself if you can't love yourself it's going to taint the relationships around you and I Mm. find it fascinating that you that also well I'm hearing very similarities between your journey and once you could see and love yourself that then fundamentally changed what you were giving to people externally yeah you're absolutely right I really believe my entrepreneurial journey him after that coaching session and just to go back to coaching session if you're an entrepreneur you have to get a coach like it's a no-brainer you're not going to make it yeah. if you don't have a coach and then just to speak to your point about loving yourself and being able to have that empathy for yourself and recognizing and how it directly t- relates to other relationships i said in the beginning of the session that we limit ourselves so much and we don't realize how much we limit ourselves and that's through kind of like behaviors that has been there, but also our own behavior towards ourselves. Like you said, if you want to, if you want to kind of like something to give you an example, like practical, I love practical things to give an example of some of the stuff that I do. So sometimes when I'm, I have to go and see like a big client and I'm really not sure about it. I actually tell myself to pretend that I'm something else so that I can just get through this thing and just pretending that you're something else all of a sudden like gives you the confidence and it like brings all these things that you've never thought before. And it just tells me like what you're saying is a hundred percent true, right? If I believed that I was that thing, I wouldn't have to pretend that I was yeah. <laughs> that that different persona yeah. or personality. It's like what you're talking to is the thoughts that are like the power that our thoughts have actually oftentimes we're so unconscious about what we tell ourselves. So, you know, in that situation, whatever the mindset is, I'm going to bomb this. They're going to think I'm not articulate enough. Like, you know, know what I'm doing. That's my mindset, not yours, but you know, and then, but that drives (laughs) like how you turn up. It, It drives how you like, I, I remember when I moved from South Africa to Toronto and I was trying to build up my my coaching and consulting business there. And I remember going to these networking events and Mm. I was just telling myself, oh, you know, my mind was, they're not going to want to hire me. And, you know, look, it's a room full of tech bros. I don't fit into this. I don't even really know what I'm selling. Like actually my successful business in South Africa was a fluke. I don't know if I can replicate it there. And it, absolutely impacted my confidence when I was meeting these people. Mm. I wasn't selling myself as the badass that I am. I was because I wasn't confident enough. Like, and it's amazing. And as you say, getting a grip on what you're telling yourself, how you're seeing yourself, how you're valuing yourself, then actually totally transforms how you're showing up in situations, which then changes your reality. It changes your experience of the world and reality around you. You know, just even taking that pressure off myself of when going to the event it's not about selling it's about meeting people made them much more fun and made me have because I can meet people 
I can have conversations and meet people. I'm okay with that. So don't worry. But it is like the power of the mind is unbelievable of like how it can either hold you back or drive you forward. Like it really does all start within here in the relationship that we have to ourselves and our mind is a part of that. That is so true. Mm. That is so true. So what are we saying? Are we saying people must just pretend? No. <laughs> no, well, like there is sort of, I don't know, there is that like pretend, what is it, fake it till you make it type mentality. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, there's stuff around. I am, I, oh, I've forgotten the woman's name, Amy Cuddy with the power pose. Have you heard of Amy Cuddy and her power pose? And she did this whole study yes. and like how it physiologically, like you stand in a superwoman. Uh, so you, if you sit up straight, yes. you put your chest back, you stand with your hands on your hip and like a super person pose that actually physiologically just changing your body actually changes how you go into the world. So if you sit slumped over and you're more likely not to speak up. And so like, I think there's stuff around that. Definitely. I don't know. I'm all, I'm always of the mindset though. I think you've got to do the work. Like actually you, you it's, con- it's commitment, it's persistency, it's action. Like it, that's what actually changes the needle. So I think fake it till you make it might work in like- Fake it until the work is working. Exactly. Or <laughs> yeah. Or until you have the confidence or you're ready to start doing the work, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But it's true. Like the thing is, I sometimes think that there's this layer there's this series on Netflix and I absolutely love it. And I can't remember what it's called, maybe Supernatural. And it might be on Prime and not Netflix. But <laughs> you sound like me. I've got a great story, but I don't know who said it. I don't know what the name also is. I don't know what the punchline is. Anyway, so in the story, they're trying to kind of like assess scientifically like supernatural things. And one of the things that they kind of investigate is these kids that they blindfold them and then they teach them how to see color and read without. Uh, being able to see. Wow. Have you seen that? No. It's unbelievable. Wow. It's this institution in Russia, unfortunate. But so, so it was so interesting. And I think whatever that, it feels like a very soft, gentle kind of like line that runs through everything that exists. And I think we all intuitively know somebody's faking it. We all intuitively know if something isn't real. And we intuitively know if you're not loving yourself and therefore we don't trust it. I think like there is this, I don't know, this weird, like gentle strand of truth that we all tap into and we subconsciously just really know what it is. I think in the Buddha culture, they call it your essence. So your core is always kind of like true and real, but Mm -hmm. not that I'm Buddhist, but I really resonate with that sentiment that, you know, it's like our essence is real and true and pure and perfect. And it's all these they call it the sky and the clouds. Hmm. So the clouds might come in and make makes it all kind of like fuzzy. But essentially, the sky is beautiful and it's blue and it's bold and it's and that's in us. And we all have that. And if that's maybe a starting point, knowing that everybody is kind of like true and real. Hmm. That's gorgeous. Now, I love it. And what are some of the things that you do? It might not even be a daily basis, but on a regular basis that keeps you grounded in that. Because like what we're talking hmm. about is such a a zen grounded state of being but then the reality Mm. is life and the chaos that can often be life so what are some of your go-to things that you have so I love that you've advocated for coaching by the way and having your own Mm. coaching yay to that it is such a powerful tool that a lot of people I think are nervous about because they think it's going to be like therapy so you've said coaching already so what are some of the other things Mm. that you that work for you that help you 
So I think one of the things that was a big challenge for me starting out in the business is anxiety, Mm. having a lot of anxiety, having deadlines that you have to meet, money running out, having to make sure that the product is kind of like bringing in, you know, enough so that money doesn't run out at the same time. Investors having anxiety that you're performing to the level that they're expecting, Mm. anxiety that all the investors are not going to like say the same thing or want the same thing. So anxiety was a big thing for me. And because of anxiety, I started meditating in the morning. And something that I find works really well is breath work. Mm. So just doing like in the beginning of my meditation, some breath work that just brings that uh, adrenaline level down to, to a minimum. And I think what's what's been really interesting is like every single morning, my routine would be wake up to five, coffee, meditate, shower, into work. If I don't do that, my day falls apart, but not just my day, like everything falls apart. I think so, so what I've noticed with meditation in the morning, doesn't matter. The meditation actually, the, the actual practice doesn't really matter. Sometimes I sit there and I'm so distracted. It feels like I'm not even, I didn't even really do it properly. Uh, but what I've noticed is over time, it's like the more you do it like every single day, where it actually shows impact is in the moment. So in the moment where somebody is demanding something and there's not enough time to deliver it, your brain is a little bit more clear on what the response should be. I need to walk and clear my mind. So I have to make space to be in nature and to take long walks. That's really important for me as well. And I think one of the things, and maybe it's not usual or regular, but one of the things that I really think is important for me is connecting with the people I work with mm. on a one-to-one basis and discovering like what is really, what is really impacting kind of like their lives at the moment. Sometimes I can help and solve, and sometimes I can't. But just knowing what they're going through, that's really really is important Hmm. so thank you for sharing i just hear connection like actually just it's all connection connection to yourself to nature to others like connection is the essence and i loved what you said about meditation because i think oftentimes with some of these practices we feel like we have to get them right and if we don't clear our mind or you know we've got to sort of perfect (laughs) something and as you say and i loved what you were saying about it's actually just the act of just creating Mm. however long it is for myself it's sort of you know giving saying the type of person that you want to be investing in the type of person that you want to be it's that little i guess message back to yourself that i care and i'm looking after myself and So I'm going to give myself, you know, however long it is that you meditate and breathe for. And that's all that matters. Yeah. This is not about perfecting it and clearing my mind. It's just about making some time in my day for me. And that's it. And it's so interesting. So I could only do five minutes, Mm. right? When I started out, and this was way back in 2019, I could only do five, five minutes a day because you're so anxious and you're so like, how is this going to help my to-do list right now? And then over time you start seeing the impact and then five minutes becomes 15 minutes. And it's not like in a month's time. Like I think I went to 15 minutes in 2021. (laughs) That's five minutes more than me, darling. It's a high five. (laughs) And the more time you give yourself, like you start seeing like real impact and you yeah, it's, we must stop like trying to be perfect and all the things that we do. Just do it. Yeah, I love that you say just do it because I think that's also one of the key things for changing. And when you want to change, it's just to start small. I think we set these big targets for ourselves and then we get 
often get overwhelmed at the scale of then what we think changes. But actually, even if it's downloading a meditation app on your phone or finding a YouTube channel, there are so many great free resources out there. I personally love the Calm app, but you know, if you don't want to pay for anything, there's some great things. Even if you just start by doing that, finding a YouTube meditation app that works or downloading an app that works, then that's the first step, you know, and it might take you a month before you press play on one of those videos, but so what? You're on that path. It's a journey, you know, you sort of, you've put the intention out there. So so we have a closing tradition on this podcast Mm -hmm. and that is, Michelle, would you tell me what is something that other people value that you don't? I think a lot of people, when it comes to like friends and family, they address certain situations really delicately, but to the point where it almost can be misunderstood. For me, I don't value that at all. I value rather chaos, maybe for a day or a week, maybe a month, where the truth is out, we go like, no, what is really happening here is X, Y, Z. And this could be a friend cheating on another friend or partners not being loyal. But I think something that I really value for myself is that I would rather have somebody sit me down and go, this is really hard, but this is the reality and what's happening and you're being absolutely blind to it. Then then having somebody try and tell me that information in a bit of a delicate and soft way and stand and there being a chance that I actually miss what's being really said. Mm. Don't be afraid to be direct. Directness, it feels like More, rather than honesty. Yeah, because yeah. I think a lot of people are honest, but they're not like very direct in in how they say it. How they deliver it. Yeah, I love it. So I, I value it. directness a lot and it causes a lot of chaos. <laughs> so I only use it sparingly, but... And only for the people I truly love. Yeah. And I think that's really important as well, because not everybody deserves, because I think for me, the directness comes with a lot of vulnerability. It takes a lot of vulnerability to be direct, actually, in the way that Mm. you're talking about. And not everybody deserves your vulnerability. So I love what you were saying about, about that. Yeah. You sort of, you reserve it for the people that you know are capable of holding that for Mm. you. Oh, Michelle, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for giving me your time, for sharing your wisdom and your story. No, thank you so much for giving me the platform and well done on all this amazing work that you're doing. I think you're going to change so many lives. Like if I just think back on uh, on how my life was changed through some of the coaching that you did and it was so short, I think people who engage in your platform and who just touch you in some way or listen to your podcast I think their lives gonna be touched and changed in dramatic ways so well done you're gonna make me cry (laughs) thank you (laughs) so sweet thank you so much for listening to this week's episode I'd like to thank the humans that make the great conversations podcast possible my editor Jovan Stoikowski Jamie Jenkin who made the lovely music that you're hearing now and my guests for their willingness to share their personal stories. If you haven't already, please rate and follow the podcast. It's a great way to show your support and allows me to keep bringing on extraordinary guests. Sending you so much love. Bye for now.